Hey, this is Franca, and here's a new intro for your show. And no, it's not a chainsaw. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 37. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And I'm into this new old vintage new thing. You've never heard of it. Well, I've got a fake Polaroid of it from my SLR. Right. Let me just put this on. What what is that? Oh, this this is a Stormy Cromer. It's a hat from a woolen mill in northern Michigan. You've probably never heard of it. <laughs> you know the only thing left to do, Chuck? Drink boxed wine, ironically. <laughs> boxed wine? What are we, hobos? No, no. We're a lot more like uh, freshman chicks at a college. Uh, in order to preserve the uh, effect of the freshman chicken college, I've chosen a box wine, which is a Pinot Grigio. Oh. A P- Pinot Grigio is notable because it's one of those white wines which is almost universally appealing. Or it, Let me put it a different way. It's almost universally inoffensive. Uh, <laughs> it does this by having almost no character whatsoever. Okay. So uh, this is a boxed wine uh, in what's called a Boda box, which is... Uh, it l- looks like a box of fruit juice. It looks to me like a box of like like chicken bullion, yeah, but coconut water. Yeah, hard to say. Anyways, it's wine in a little tiny box that you could transport with you. So we're gonna try some. Yay! Cheers. Salud. Now, a common mistake people make when they're serving white wine is they serve it ice cold. And actually, what happens is and this is the same reason they serve Budweiser ice cold. Is when you serve things ice cold, your tongue can't actually perceive as much of the flavor as when it's warmer. So if you go to a restaurant and they give you a white wine, which is ice cold, it probably means that wine is complete shit. This white wine is ice cold. Yes, it is. (laughs) And of course, Chuck, you know, there's only one way drinking boxed white wine can end. Awkward groping in a dorm room? Oh, yes. Get out. (sighs) So this is the uh, Boda Box. It's adventure wine. 2009 California Pinot Grigio. It'll, uh, It'll travel well in the case. As one would expect from Pinot Grigio, it has... Very slight fruity flavor, just enough tang to let you know you're drinking wine, and then just fucking nothing else. (laughs) Maybe a slightly, like, kind of yicky little finish. Yeah. You know, I think I would just dump the wine out and then pour mead into it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is is transportable, though, so that's the upside of it. It's not as cool as a Tourtech evaporated wine. No, no, but I, I, you'd be, you'd have to have a fight on your hands of which one is grosser. <laughs> we, we should order some. And find this, is, out. this is a fairly typical 2009 California Pinot Grigio, which means, as I said, there's just uh, it's wine. It's a bit like slightly skanky water overall. You know, if I drink it out of the box, does that make me a hobo? Uh, well, I think the the box we we've been drinking it out of glasses because we don't want to share the box because. Chuck's disgusting. But uh, Oh, yeah. I'm the disgusting one. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought it for the princely sum of $4.29. I left the uh, price on there so you could tell. Uh-huh. Up in Idaho. I mean, um, uh, at a place in Utah. <laughs> Not in uh, Idaho. It contains sulfates? Sulfites? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's approximately three glasses that they tell you on the box. I like how they show the glasses on the box, but you have to assume the normal usage of one of these is going to be to crack the box and start sucking it down out of the box and then crush the box on your forehead afterwards. Now, to their credit, I have been on a motorcycle trip with my wife and pulled out our bottle of wine and realized that clever devils that we are, we forgot a wine opener. <laughs> so it's got that going for it. It's got that going for it. Nice twist off. Although a lot of wines I will, twist I will off. down this entire box right now if you crush it on your forehead. It's not going to be very hard to crush my forehead. It's just made of cardboard. I know, but it'll be funny. Well, okay. Suit yourself. Can't you just hear the quality of that wine? You're, you're going to end up in so many dorm rooms after this. Yeah, that happens to me already. Yeah. Start crushing. Ah, ow, that kind of hurt. That was harder than it looked. That was a lot harder than it looked. <laughs> Okay, so crush is okay, but ow, I think I poked myself in the hand with a corner. And you even pre-crushed it a little bit. Oh, man. I, I caught that. Wine in a box. Wine in a box. Wine in a little box travels easily. Do you, do you want some more? It's fairly fairly inoffensive. I don't want to hog all your, okay, your hobo good. wine. Yeah, it's... it's Because uh, uh, this isn't fully crushed. <laughs> <laughs> You've been defeated by a paper box. It's a really hard paper box. So if you could uh, if you could get to this kind of wine and you wanted wine for a trip, I suppose this could work. Let me bring this up. We got a listener email mm-hmm. 
and it's from Texas. Mm-hmm. And he says uh, where he is, there are drive-through liquor stores, and he's going to get us a picture of him on his bike Fantastic. pulling through. Fantastic! <laughs> that is quality. Don't get the boxed wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, ah. it doesn't really bear talking about. Yeah. Uh, uh, that little sour <laughs> finish is really something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's, this is not going to make me a wine drinker. No, no. This wouldn't uh, make anyone a wine drinker. Uh, I think this is good if you're already, uh, uh, you prefer uh, wine and don't have uh, oh, particularly God. discerning tastes. Uh, you, know, you know, I think I, I'd still just find a nice way to pack the bottle of mead. <laughs> mm. <laughs> or pick something up at the liquor store on the way out. Assuming there is a liquor store. I mean, why wouldn't there be a liquor store? It's not like you'd because be in you're Utah. in Loa. <laughs> Loa, Utah. <laughs> Just maybe. Totally <laughs> hypothetical. Well, that's cool. I can't wait to see the uh, the motorcycle going through the drive through liquor store. Our what if question of the week? What if of the week? What if there's no liquor store? No, I'm just kidding. That, that's a that's a scary what if. <laughs> You're fucked. Bring a box. What if you're on your trip and you get behind schedule? Ooh, there's a loaded question. Because just about everyone that does a trip has a schedule. Yeah, depending on what the schedule is. Remember, we were talking to uh, John, who did mm-hmm. the Alaska trip. Mm-hmm. And the schedule... Wait, I forget if his big concern was money or schedule. I think it was money. I think it was a little of both. Yeah. yeah. yeah but money he, was forcing he had, the like, schedule. so much time, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your schedules could be driven by money, not just mm-hmm. time. This is a hard one, because it has different answers depending on what's driving that schedule. If it's something like you've already, say, gotten a hotel room somewhere fancy that costs you a lot of money, mm-hmm. then, that, you know, then... Then you may need to start to try to go further, which is sucks because it's dangerous and uncomfortable. Well, if you have to do 900 miles to make it to a Hootie and Blowfish concert, that doesn't sound entirely hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, the, thank God it didn't turn into reality. <laughs> the the real deal, I guess, would say it's gonna you're gonna have to make a judgment call and it's gonna suck. I mean, the reality, what if you're behind schedule? Then you're fucking behind schedule. Yep. <laughs> you know? A lot of people are going to get all wound up about this. They're like, oh, i got to build in all da 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 You know, reality situation, sometimes you'll get behind schedule and you'll be behind schedule. Yeah. If you're camping, here's what you do. Don't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. Hotel is on your bike. If you got someone waiting for you, that's a trickier one. Although I suppose you could call them. Yeah. If you're doing the trip from here to, you know, San Diego and you, if you're trying to do all in one day, mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of iffy. Yeah, because you don't have a change of clothes. Are you, you comfortable with uh, traveling after dark? Uh, it depends on where I am, but generally speaking, I don't like it, but I'll do it, I guess. I, I, comfortable might be stretching it. I, on I, a Strom, I'm a little better just because the thing's got such amazing headlights, but even mm-hmm. then, I just, oh, I, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I, I want to be off the road by the time the sun gets Agreed. orange. <laughs> yeah, my, my first choice would be to get off of the road. Way before it's dark. I mean, not just because you're tired, but, you know, being an unfamiliar place with unfamiliar drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, In the dark when you can't see that well? Yeah. Even with good headlights? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stuff and, you know, leaping out into the road. I would rather, you know, take the hit to the schedule mm-hmm. and uh, make apologies. Yeah, so I think I think the, uh, the assessment of the cost of this what-if is probably, honestly, if you're behind schedule on a motorcycle trip, your best bet is to change the schedule. But so many people will push it because of the schedule. You know, you get, yeah. you get the idea that you're on this vacation trip. Yeah. You've, you've got an itinerary. It breaks my brain when people do that. <laughs> I'm on vacation. I got a rush. <laughs> I've got what? four days and I need yeah. to be here, 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 here yeah. to buy my boxed wine. <laughs> this, is, this is why I like to loosely plan my trips. I like to have an area in which I will end up and an area in which I will go through. Mm-hmm. That way, you know, if you get a little behind or frankly, the other thing that happens is you find something cool. Yeah. <laughs> then you can get behind. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think the the prep for this one is plan slush, and the solution is frankly change the schedule. I I don't think it's worth pushing it and potentially injuring yourself, and frankly not having any fun when you're pushing it. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. You're not going to mm-hmm. have fun. Yeah, it's going to be lame. Take the hit to the schedule and try to keep your perspective when you're on the road and facing. St- <laughs> and bring better wine than this. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Oh, I have I have I have 150 dollar bottles of wine in my closet at home, and I'm drinking wine from a box in a basement for four thirty, for four dollars and twenty cents. Oh, it's mm-hmm. awesome. Okay, so that, that's what we say is you know mm-hmm. let the schedule go, let it go. It, it's Life's not too, meant to be. Life's too short, and clearly your schedule is too short. <laughs> Build slush. Slush is a great preventer of stuff like this. Yeah. Slush is also good if you want an extra rest day at some point. Mm. I am tired, and it is nice here. 
I would like, I would like to spend all day in my tent spanking it. Or that. <laughs> like I'm the only one. Well, if you're far enough in the woods, you don't have to be in the tent, do you? I don't know if I could do it. I, <laughs> I don't know if I could get that comfortable. <laughs> Even that far out in the woods. Because there's always something watching you. What if you were on a river? Like on a canoe by myself? Yeah. In the middle of the day? Yeah. I don't know if I could do it in the middle of the day. <laughs> what if your canoe was on your motorcycle? <laughs> Not in the water. I mean, on your motorcycle right, right. transport. Oh, you know, I, it's this motorcycle. You, you've probably never heard of it. <laughs> Actually, I have because several of our listeners sent it to us. Yeah, apparently it's on the uh, the in Craigslist. Harrisburg, which I will say is 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 suspiciously close to where Claude is. <laughs> Craigslist. There is, in fact, a motorcycle with a boat for a sidecar. That is a canoe sidecar. Yep, it looks awesome. It does. We've got to stick you in it. It's an old Goldwing, so it's already awesome to start, and it's got a canoe on the side of it. I can see you in that canoe. I don't know, though. I don't know if that canoe is seaworthy. I don't know if that thing will stay up. What are you doing? Stop that. <laughs> you can't be hipster, Popeye. Yes, I can. <laughs> you don't have any anchors on your Popeye arms. is very hip. You have no anchor tats. Uh, I, I, I'm meaning to get some sailor tats. <laughs> we should go get sailor tats. <laughs> I was thinking like a big heart here with an arrow through it that said mother spelled with a U right on the side of my arm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going to get one that just said Todd's mom. <laughs> if you want <laughs> some other Todd is going to find you he's going to be like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> or he'll be like dad <laughs> that might be worse <laughs> uh, let's talk about winter riding winter riding okay how's that, how's that working for you uh, you know it's working great apart from the fact that the Ural is having some electrical issues right now <laughs> I suspect, and this will be a big surprise, I suspect contacts may be scummy with road cheese and water and snow. The hell you say? Impossible, right? <laughs> <laughs> On a Ural? I, in a Ural that's being ridden in the snow and the scum? Yeah. So I, I'm going to clean out some contacts. So right now what happens is my headlight dims when I come to a stop, <laughs> and then when I accelerate, the headlight comes on and my jacket starts heating again. <laughs> On the other hand, though, this thing's from Russia. you think they would have built in to account for that in some way. No, it's no. always winter there. No, 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 no. Everything is exposed on this bucket. <laughs> the good news is everything is exposed on this bucket. So once I pull the seat off, I I also suspect the battery because the battery is probably the original battery. It's five years old, mm-hmm. and you know this does is it have Russian get... lettering on it. You know, I haven't looked. At that it would right be into... awesome. <laughs> I don't know, and I'm afraid to. <laughs> that look. would be so if the battery's cool. got Russian writing on it. It's automatically the battery, and it's going. <laughs> that would be so cool. The real problem is where the battery is because it's jammed under a frame spar and under the seat and under the back of the tank. So, like, getting to it is going to take a, a production. Rock. Well, I'm I'm hoping the side of the battery compartment opens. If it doesn't, I will probably cut it and install <laughs> a door. <laughs> okay then. I think that would be a nice addition. And really, um, Chuck, what would Ivan do? He'd put a door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Look at this. So how about... Damn. What'd you do? That... You'd like... It checks out this big red spot at the base it, of his hand. Yeah. Right right at the base of my thumb is this mm-hmm. red Y. Yeah. That's coming from my uh, heated glove liners. Heated glove liners? Yeah. Are those the same liners I have that from Claire? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Those didn't make much heat at all. I wasn't terribly impressed with those. They don't make... Uh, they do like a neutral heat around your hand. Mm-hmm. But I'm finding here at you know, right this there. part of my wrist... It feels like a, a pinprick the Let whole me time. Think. That would be, you know, that's where your, um, that's your about Velcro where is probably squeezing down on it. Yeah. So it's like holding it It's hard. like my wristband is pushing a wire against mm-hmm. right against my wrist, maybe even huh. like bearing it or something. But Are you sure uh, it's the glove liner and not the actual jacket that's doing that? Uh, yes. Because if I if I you know wear the, the jacket without the gloves and turn it up, doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Hmm. And it only happens when I turn it way up. Okay. Like this morning. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I can feel it. It feels like a, a pinprick the whole time I'm riding. Interesting. Yeah, I got off the bike, I pull off the bike, and I get this, uh, or pull off the glove, and I got this red mark. So check your liners. They can be burning your hands, I guess, huh? And uh, it's definitely, I think, the way the wrist cuff is, is clasping Yeah, down. it's got to be, just because of where it is. It moves from hand to hand. Yeah, so, okay. And if I, like, sit there and fidget with it at a so light. So whichever one you happen to have, like, on tight that day. Yeah. Are you wearing gloves with big gauntlets on them? Uh, sort of big gauntlets. They they extend a good few inches. Okay, you can probably get away with being a little looser on your cuffs then. Yeah. It, well, it's hard to get the the, the gauntlets aren't so wide because mm-hmm. you know the the, t- the t- suit it's yeah. kind of it's got kind of. Oh, I put the, I put the gauntlets inside the inside the suit. Oh, do you? Yeah. And you don't get wind flowing up. No, no, no. 
Well, no, the gauntlets, the gauntlets expand inside and cover it up. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of, I might ditch the, the liners and go with hippo uh, hands. I'll tell you what, almost. man. For, for 15 bucks, I was at the shop and uh, ran into uh, Andrew. What's up, dude? Uh, <laughs> who was on a KTM with studs on the tires. He's far more hardcore than me. Mm-hmm. He's more He wants to go skiing with it. He's more hardcore than both of us put together. Yeah. But anyway, he uh, he was, saw me with the hand things, and he's like, man, are those, are those nice? Where'd you get those? I was like, they cost $15 from inside the store here. And, you know, of course, I'm sitting in the parking lot tearing the urinal down mm-hmm. to get the tires off of it. <laughs> I wonder if Wright still has them. I have to go in there. Online, if you go to, like, the Hippo Hands company, oh, yeah. they're, like, 75 Well, Hippo bucks. Hands are different. Hippo Hands are typically made for a bike, and they have all sorts of things that allow you to, like, go around the cables and the mirrors and yeah, that stuff. Yeah. It's really nice that way. However, they cost a lot of money, and if you buy these cheap $15 ATV mitts, you can make holes in them with a knife. Okay. That's what I did. Yeah, the, the Hippo Hands has the, the Ulysses-specific ones mm-hmm. that fit around the handguards and stuff. 110, I'm guessing, thereabouts? 75. 75? Okay, cheaper than I expected. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the Ulysses has got the handguards. Yep. So, yep. I don't know how much butchering I would need to do to do None. ATV mitts. No, you no? put them over the handle guard, because ATVs have those, too. Oh, okay, so it'll just slip right So, yeah, they, they, you slip them over the top, and then you do the little Velcro thing. Oh, okay. The, the, 15, the $15 ones are, you know, despite being slightly, <laughs> slightly bodged up, work awesome don't go without i did those instead of the heated glove liners mm-hmm. and i couldn't be happier i'm, I'm tempted to switch pleased. to that because you use your summer gloves in yours right? yeah i use my summer gloves yeah just the basic elkins so i'm, so. I'm tempted to switch to that because i like my summer gloves a lot better than my mm-hmm. big winter ones big poofy winter gloves yeah yeah you might try your summer gloves with the liners under them too if they're not super tight oh yeah i just i just gave up on the liners because frankly the with the big 15 degree atv mitts pfft, whatever it's good yeah i might have to get those instead of the hippo hands do it they look totally dorky too which just adds to the experience yeah. then again you're gonna be Says the guy on the Ural. No. Oh wait, the Ural. Um, the Ural's not so di- the dorky now. It is, it's uh, it's actually from a uh, from a Russian manufacturer in Siberia. You probably never heard of it. I might not have heard it, but I know who has. Who's that? Ewan McGregor and Brad Pitt. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one is see, kind uh, of cool, and the other is Brad Pitt. You see, uh, Ural's expanding their uh, 2011 growth. Uh, yeah, they're talking Mike's, about adding 20 something dealers or something like that. Yeah, Mike sent this article to us. Uh, their their anniversary edition Ural sold out in two weeks. All the Hollywood stars are being seen on one. Not on this one, actually. It's the uh, the white the anniversary edition is a white retro. I'm just talking about a euro. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Well, you know, <laughs> Chuck, you may not know this, but I'm an internet star. <laughs> you know that video of you that's only on the porn sites that doesn't that doesn't count. I have a zany sidekick and everything. I, I found that by accident. <laughs> I can't unsee it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes when you have the skills, the hipster douchebags are buying the euros. I was there first. <laughs> I bought a Euro before it was cool. <laughs> That's not helping. <laughs> he said, wearing his hat. <laughs> I can I can see the the imaginary um, stick on sailor tat coming on. I don't need a stick on sailor tat. I have an the, enormous the, one on my back already. The V neck. <laughs> It's not a sailor tat. But. Yeah, it's not a sailor tat. That's just a, that's like a college hipster tat. You need a, the sailor hipster tat now. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And you look the, like your old man. The V-neck. Yeah. Look like my old man. You know, my old man had uh, one tattoo. It was a rooster that he got on his ankle. I, I'm scared to ask, but... He used it to pick up girls. Okay. He's like, hey, I bet you I got a cock that goes down past my knees. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had, I, I had to know something like that was coming, but you can't just leave. Oh, yeah, you've met my old man, you know. Yeah, it's not hard to imagine him And my that. mom said that wasn't made up story. I, <laughs> yeah. My life was richer before I knew that. <laughs> so there you go, guys, in college. Go, Chuck's go dad's pickup line. <laughs> go get the uh, rooster tattoo on the ankle. That won't be embarrassing at all when your son turns 10. So speaking of Yules, it's back. And your wife has announced that it smells like gas. It still smells like ass. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, the Beal and I are working on rebuilding our relationship. Cool. But I'm, I'm fraught with paranoia. Mm-hmm. Every smell, every sound. <laughs> now you know what it's like owning a girl. Is that noise me? Oh, <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, you, have to, you have to come through the paranoia and come out the other side and start going, eh. <laughs> I think that's Is that a, noise coming from me? Probably. That's where I'm Does that smell me? Yeah. Uh, I've learned that Beal definitely likes warming up in the morning. Or yeah. at night. You know, he likes warming up before mm. it gets on the road. 
Well, it's an air-cooled engine, so it's always going to be a pain in the ass until it's warm. Oh, speaking of air-cooled engines, you know what's really helpful? When you've got the Buell on a center or on a chalk and you're revving the engine really, really hard because you're, you know, calibrating it on ECM Spy? I'm going to guess make sure the wheel's not on the ground? No, a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can see the problem here. <laughs> Remember that sticker I had on my header? <laughs> it's not there anymore. No. <laughs> Chuck, you know that's uh, that's not good for it. Right? <laughs> no, it slipped my mind. <laughs> I saw smoke coming out of the bike, and I was like, "That's peculiar." Oh no, I was more like, "Oh shit, I've set the bike on fire." Like <laughs> that I, was I, my job. I clamber over the side. The headers are glowing red, and then I remembered it's an air cooled bike, <laughs> and it's not moving. Therefore, it's, not. it's a nothing cooled bike. But you know, it's in the garage. That's like five degrees, but it's not moving. Nope. So I had to set up the big fan that I've got for, you know, mm-hmm. summer real fast and crank that fucker up. <laughs> Not in time to save the sticker. <laughs> the sticker, we will remember. But, you know, at the same time, when I saw the headers glowing red, I was like, God, that looks kind of cool. <laughs> that looks cool. Maybe maybe it'll be dead for good. <laughs> but this is probably really bad for it. But Chuck's man, insurance company cool. is listening right now. They're like, deny all claims. <laughs> The bike's been running mostly good. Yeah, um, mostly good. Yeah, there was one. I was like doing this kind of wee bob back and forth going down the road, mm-hmm. just kind of weaving. Yeah, yeah. And the tech jumped a bit, like it didn't like me doing that. Hmm. Did it make funny noises or did it ride fine? And the tech just wiggled. It, it stuttered while I was doing it. Oh, but okay. it wasn't anywhere near like the, the uh, blam yeah. blam dying. It, no, no blam blam, no okay. dying, nothing like. It was just like stop that. Huh. That's peculiar. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure what to make of that. If it makes you feel any better, the Ural speedometer basically does not sit still above about 40. It kind of wiggles back and forth, and then you sort of average whatever the bottom and top of the wiggle is, and that's about how fast you're going. It's quite accurate if you average the two. i got to work through some stuff with the Buell, me and the, the, the trust issues. It's hard to rebuild the trust once it's gone. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the options are out there. You know, You could have a bike called the Exploder, which I'm sure in your hands would not be at all unreliable. Well, it's liquid cool, right? So what could go wrong? Also, I know of a Strom you could acquire cheap. <laughs> do you? I do. I do. <laughs> a Strom. You know, I think the owner wouldn't sell it to just anyone, but, you know, the right person. Uh-huh. I think I'd rather have that new 2012 650. Yeah. The new Weestrom. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame you. I just found out, bad news, bad news, all you Strom owners. The old Strom seats will not fit the new Strom. Really? Really. Oh, you're so, you're so I am, not getting I am one. crushed. Yeah. I am utterly crushed. That was my backup plan. Like, when my Strom dies, it's going to it's gonna be this giant smoke. I'm going to come out the other side holding a pair of handlebars, skidding down the street. I'm going to get up, pick up the seat off of it, and start walking down the road like nothing happened. Wait, wait. Walk this, into Suzuki This dealership. seat costs like $700. $700 seat. That's totally not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is there's a cloud of smoke. You're going to come skidding out on your face, holding the seat over your head. <laughs> That's actually probably true. <laughs> No the seat. It's okay. Thank God. New helmet's cheaper. (laughs) Helmet is cheaper than seat. (laughs) Walk into a Suzuki dealer. I would like a 650. It doesn't fit. God damn you, sir. Okay, I would like a 1000. And they don't make those anymore. They do. Oh, I thought they stopped them. No, they brought it back for 2012. They're like, oh, we're back. Surprise! But they didn't redesign it. They didn't do shit. (laughs) There's an adventure version, which has a windshield windshield and the crappy factory luggage. (laughs) (laughs) They've got to have a redesign of that coming. One would hope. I mean, how freaking awesome would it be? Uh, How how much of a no-brainer is it? You've redesigned the Wii. The problem problem is, is they sold like a dozen Wiis for every big one they sold. Mm-hmm. And but that, still, you don't reality. want. I mean, they're both V-Stroms. You don't want them being that having that kind of disparity in your line. I don't know, man. That's just that's wrong. I, if you're selling ten Wii's and you can put the money into making more of those, I I can see why they'd make uh, more of those. Change the name. I don't know. <laughs> I Call it V-Strom Classic. V-Strom Classic. Wait, classic Coke. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then they do a Wee-Strom with all transparent fairing, and they can mm-hmm. call it Wee-Strom Crystal. <laughs> What's Wee-Strom Zero? The Naked Strom. Oh, okay. Yeah. An SV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. But they call it Wee-Strom Zero. Sounds good. Or the Gladius, I guess. Wee-Strom Zero. Stop calling it that. But it's Wee-Strom Zero. Stop calling it that! That's what we're calling every Gladius we see from now on. <laughs> hey, look, it's Wee-Strom Zero. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
John sent us an interesting question. Yes. About shops. He's, uh, he's looking at buying a house, and he's looking at setting himself up a shop. Now, the stuff he's sending me to show me is, like, fancy garage decking and, you know, big tire-changing machines and all this kind of stuff. Really? All I've seen is this Ducati banner. Oh, and there's the Ducati banner, too. Yeah, you got to have the Ducati banner. <laughs> to go with his Ducati sunglasses and Ducati and T-shirt. Yeah. Don't forget the hat. And the Ducati the hat's hat. important. You know, I want a picture of him with the banner and the shirt and the sunglasses and just label it Hope. Yeah, it works. <laughs> in an empty garage. <laughs> got me. It got me really thinking about home shops, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, you know, in various stages of shopitude. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, you know, the woodworking I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the magazines and the forums and stuff. There are yeah. so many articles and stories and strategies about shops. How do you make your shop how the you, best? How do you lay it out? What, what is your What shop? do you keep in mind? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. There's just so much to do for shops. So much. So we figured we'd talk about shops tonight because my shop is one of my favorite places. It is fun. Except for when you're getting gas all over yourself. Then it's less fun. <laughs> and lighting yourself on fire. Haven't done that yet. I have burned myself more times. Todd's than landlord. That's not what happened to the I, garage. I have I have more scars on my hands from Ural pipes than I care to think about. Really? Yeah, they're hot. I could see that. There's also the soldering I burned on the one hand from when I was making the harness for the Strom's accessories. Uh-huh, yeah. Yes, I build entire harnesses. But the key thing I see about shops is there's kind of like stages of shop you go in. So I present to you Todd's shop life cycle. I've probably never heard of it. <laughs> That's probably true because I just made it up. Yep. <laughs> So I got thinking about shops, and I think I think every shop goes through a series of phases, or maybe it's more that every shop owner goes through a series of phases, right? Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because so I'm thinking of when I got started. And, and by the way, I should note, I, all of these categories, exceptions exist, right? Because, you know, there's like weirdo, like there's the rich guy shop where it's just there to like show stuff, and it's all like pretty and nice, and there's no dirt anywhere and no oil spilled anywhere, and there's never like the mystery bolt on the floor. Jay Leno? What? <laughs> right. <laughs> a shop that you work in is usually a fucking pigsty. <laughs> I present the four stages of shop with a little with a little explanation of each. First of all, you've got your shade tree shop. So the thing to me that really makes a shade tree shop is it's a mobile shop, right? So this is like a shop. The shop really is a duffel bag. Bag or, or like, it's a, like a bag. rollout cabinet. Or... Yeah, a rolly cabinet or like mm-hmm. a drawer or, you know, some, something which is like man portable, generally mm-hmm. speaking, is a shade tree shop. It's something you could find on your Christmas tree one day. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that you can, you know, wherever you happen to be. And this this is very frequently seen in, like, apartment parking lots and that kind of thing. I spent yeah. a lot of time with a shade tree shop, two different bikes in a shade tree shop, unlike the, the concrete pad next to my apartment out yeah. in the open. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing that makes a shade tree shop a shade tree. Usually, this is going to be for one bike. It's uh, I should note Ural's here. Ural's are usually a self-mobile shade tree shop. <laughs> as evidenced by the things I do to mine. <laughs> well, it's got its own rolly cabinet. Yeah, exactly. It's got its own rolly cabinet, so what's the big deal? <laughs> and, you know, it's it's not just by car, whatever. Mm-hmm. The key thing is it's going to be portable. It's like man portable, and it's usually for one machine. It's, it's something you do to keep track of your own machine. You've got your hand tools in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you've got a setup like this, probably the things you're going to want to do with it, and this are going to be reasonable, is stuff like oil changes, you know, adjusting your cables, mm-hmm. filter replacements, and simple maintenance, right? You know? Yeah. Shit you don't need a lot of stuff for. Standing around it with the hood up with a bunch of beer cans. Yeah, with a bunch of beer cans and everybody looks at the engine like they have any fucking idea what's going on in there. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. Yeah, I think it's your uh-huh. uh, your <laughs> word I heard once on TV. <laughs> it's clearly the uh, frame widget capacitator. <laughs> it's your distributor cap. Mm, yeah, your left-handed smoke shifter is uh, a little off. <laughs> you check your turn signal oil. Yeah, I think it's the, uh, the Johnson rod assembly. <laughs> Penis. <laughs> That's about the size of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone starts there. Yeah, everybody everybody starts there. And sooner or later, I think the transition happens, A, when you have some sort of structure to work in, and B, when you have too many tools to carry them by yourself. <laughs> you buy a house, you get a garage. Or rent an apartment, get a garage. Is the case or, yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So then you move into garage phase. So garage phase is where you have a non-dedicated workspace. And this is like, this is frankly where most people are. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say totally, for example, let's say you have like a Buell and a table saw and some wood and a playpen thing that's all folded up and a car and a lawnmower and a refrigerator and some storage for I don't know what the hell's over there on the left. Why are you looking at a picture? Oh, uh, sorry. It's a good garage example I have. Uh-huh. But this is, this is basically, this is like a, like a big, this is basically like a big shade tree setup indoors. Okay. 
That's usually they're more comfortable. It's a dual-purpose one. Yeah. It's not just for working on bikes. Yeah. Or a particular bike. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it a garage rather than a workshop, which we'll get to in a minute. So a garage is when you have some sort of interior space that you right. can work on. Yep. Typically, you're going to have more tools than you can carry by yourself. Yep. And that's that's usually that's usually why you need a garage. <laughs> My tools are too many. <laughs> You have a, a bench of some sort, a workbench. Yeah, sometimes you'll start to have workbenches in places like this, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but the real key thing is if, if you're sharing the space with like a car or and or a lawnmower and other shit. Basically, if the space is for other shit and your bike is in there, you're in a garage. Yeah, and that's the reality of the situation. You're in garage phase, and this is another one of those places we all live. Yeah. But the cool thing is when you're in a garage, you can start to do bigger jobs. Yes. That like where you can take off big delicate bits that you don't want to like leave just in the dirt. Yep. Wheels. You could leave it for days. Gas tanks, yeah, you can leave it for days. Assuming, assuming a three-year-old doesn't go in there and just start messing parts around at random. Doesn't sound terribly hypothetical either. Uh, yeah, I've learned to keep stuff up. <laughs> Good plan. <laughs> Everything in Chuck's garage is above chest level. It's above about three feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's above an eye line of a three-year-old. <laughs> And there's big sparkly stuff on the walls to distract that. <laughs> Good plan, yeah. Distractions, I like it. The key thing, though, I see with the garage is it's not just for bikes and or not just for working on stuff. And the other thing about a garage is basically the garage itself is somewhat portable. Like if you had another space of equivalent size that was indoors with your tools in it, mm-hmm. would it be equally good? Yeah. Most likely. Then yeah. you're in a garage. The nice thing about, you know, once you get to the garage phase mm-hmm. is you have a lot more control of your environment. Mm-hmm. And this is where I was talking about those articles before about your mm-hmm. dream shop yeah. even or your garage shop. You can do things like insulate the walls. You mm-hmm. can install cooling. You can install heating. Which starts to take us into my personal favorite phase, the workshop. <laughs> <laughs> so the workshop is where you start to go usually when you start to dedicate your space to bikes. Or something else. Or something else, yeah. yeah. If your bikes you know, is our example, bikes are our example. Or if you're a woodworker and mm-hmm. you have an attached shop to yeah. your garage, you have a place that is a place you go to work on wood, and you really don't do much else there other than drink beer. Drinking beer, by the way, is always considered part of what you do in any shop. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. You, you know, I mean, if you're in a woodworking shop, you've got things like table saws. Did I mention all the burns on my hands? <laughs> Ooh, you don't want to stick your hand in a table saw. No, 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 I don't reckon I do. <laughs> no. Hey. I live in fear of big reciprocating blades. Yeah, I mean, eh, burning your hand is one thing. Getting eaten by a machine is something else. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> See, there you go. If you're in a woodworking shop, it's really not a good idea to have like Control beers your beer intake. <laughs> <laughs> I usually stop working on weekends in my shop when I get too drunk to continue. <laughs> when I get so drunk, I strip the oil bolt on a strom. I heard that could happen from <laughs> not from me. I, I pretty much just stick to sodas when I'm in the workshop part of the garage. Cause, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I've seen what the table saw can do to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. You know there's a lawsuit about that. What, table saws? Yeah. And they just won it, too. What? <laughs> a guy stuck. <laughs> I okay, shit continue. you not. Okay, side story. So a few years back... A company came out with a new technology that uh, the table saw has a sensor that runs through the blade, and mm-hmm. it can detect. Oh, the electrical. Mm-hmm. Your, 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 yeah. your, your finger causes interference, okay. and, it, and it basically jams the saw into an aluminum brick. Okay. It's the millisecond it happens. Mm-hmm. You see the demos of this. They stick a hot dog into it, and the hot dog doesn't get a scratch. Okay. And they try to get the, the U.S. government to legislate it to be required on every table saw. Sure, yeah, so they could make all kinds of money. Right, right, right. Didn't happen. They get went into business for themselves. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a couple years, this guy stuck his hand in the table saw and then sued the table saw company for not incorporating this technology in the first place. What? Yep. And hey, you've got a big spinny blade. Don't stick your hand in there. And there's like fucking stickers everywhere. They're like, don't stick your fucking hand in here, Billy. Every woodshop safety film ever. Andy won. I do. <laughs> it's... It's a spinning blade. What's even worse is they had disabled the, the safety guards on it. Little dirty secret, almost every woodworker does this mm-hmm. because those guards are crap. Oh, they get in the way. And they get in the way. Mm-hmm. This is making me terrified of table saws. I live <laughs> in utter abject fear of table saws right now. If I walked out my front door and there was a table saw You'd just walk right on, back in. On, the, on the sidewalk, I'd walk right the fuck back in. Oh, yeah. Table saws are horrible things. <laughs> they don't just cut you. They literally eat you. They get a hold of something, and they will pull it in. Oh, my God. That's how they work. <laughs> I don't like this anymore. <laughs> <sighs> we need to move on from table saws. So about that shop. 
You move from garage to workshop when your space starts to be dedicated. And the reality situation is there's this continuum from garage to workshop. Yes. So, like, your space is, like, garage trending in a workshoppy direction. Because mm-hmm. you've got all these, like, dedicated tools out there, and there happens to be a car in there, and it's complete annoyance. Well, especially in my case, I, I, I'm i definitely in the middle because I have a workshop yeah. next to the garage. That's true. You have a workshop, and you have a garage trending toward workshop. What would be really cool is if I built a ramp from the garage to the workshop, and then I could ride the bike. That would kick 18 that. kinds of ass. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Big, beautiful, well-lit room. Yeah, the workshop's where you can start to mess around with your environment even more. This is where you put in things like overhead lighting. You can get big, heavy, complicated machines that you mm-hmm. know aren't portable and don't move out of the way of cars very easily and that kind of thing. Yep, you can yeah. get your ducting. You can get your heating, your insulation. Mm-hmm. You can oh, yeah. lay out the, your, Comfort. your 220-volt lines. Old crappy rug, a futon to sit on. A TV. I don't have a TV. I've got a radio. Because I can't watch TV while I'm working on something, but I can listen to a radio. You know what I'd really like? What's that? A monitor. Yeah, I want a computer in mine. Yeah. That would be really great to have a computer monitor in mine so I can look up stuff online while I'm in there. Oh, hell yeah. Be looking, I'd be like, this isn't working help on the forums. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the garage right now. No, no, it's terrible. I'll wait a minute. And then you switch to porn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for for me, the transition happened from garage to workshop when the things I was doing started to get too complex to do in a basic garage. Like, I started to need, like, specialized tools and all sorts of funky crap. You know, this is where I started doing, like, valves by myself, which mm-hmm. more or less means tearing the entire top of the bike apart. Complicated kind of shit. Oh, for listeners who don't know, uh, the difference between Todd and I is Todd knows how to use a wrench, and I can be reasonably counted on to grab the right end of one. It's true. I've seen him do it. <laughs> More than once. In a row. I will say that as you progress through these, you will do so by doing horrible, unforgivable things to your bikes in order to learn how not to do that more than once. You mean like uh, run the air-cooled motor until it turns red? Excellent example. Do you ever do that again? <laughs> no. Okay. God, I hope not. <laughs> reaching, reaching in to grab something that dropped just behind a really hot pipe? <laughs> Think I'm ever going to do that one again? <laughs> not going to happen. Attempting to catch a soldering iron with one's foot and knocking it into the hand. Also not going to happen. Well, that's a neat one. Mm, I can't beat that one. one. No, it's, it's, I got that scar to prove it. Not draining your transmission thinking it's your oil pan. <laughs> so you, you drain the transmission thinking it was the oil, or you drain the oil and then open the transmission and got a flood? I drained the transmission thinking it was the oil. Oops. <laughs> Because on a Subaru Forester, mm-hmm. it's right where the oil pan on a Mustang be. would be. Sure, because that's your center yeah. cubic key. Yeah. yeah, and meanwhile, the oil pan's actually kind of hidden. Yeah, it's up, <laughs> up and right. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And you're, if you're used to working on Mustangs the whole time, mm-hmm. yeah. and it looks like a filter and a plug, Sure. Yeah. what do you do? Mm-hmm. You drain it. You drain it. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. And then you wonder, gee, why won't why the oil... Why is it grinding? No, no. The first thing you wonder is, why won't the fucking oil filter fit? <laughs> As you look at the one that's not like it that came out. (laughs) Really close to it. By the way, the answer to that question on a Ural is the oil filter won't fit because the oil filter never fits. (laughs) The cross pipe on the front will always get in your way when the oil filter comes out. Well, you know what our hypothetical mechanic thought? What's that? It's a fucking Japanese filter. Just jam the thing on. (laughs) (laughs) And this... This is why I have a dedicated shop. <laughs> Fortunately, there was no permanent damage for that because without any transmission fluid in the tranny, it wasn't going anywhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Turn on car, engine starts running, foot in gear, engine goes, no. <laughs> I'm done. And then you got a call from the wife, the car won't drive. Uh, Come back and fix it, yet. <laughs> But guess what? What? I won't do that again. Nope. (laughs) I know where the fucking oil is now. The problem is there. I think this workshop phase is where John's looking to be. Mm -hmm. And John's a weird case because John will tear his race bike to shreds and do just about anything to it. But that's the only bike he'll do. That's the only bike he'll do it on. He won't do it on the Beamers. He will take them to the shop every time without fail. Yeah. Well, can you blame him? I mean, the BMWs are kind of... You remember changing the oil in Claire's? Okay, Claire's is a special case because everything's hidden to make that one-cylinder engine work. Yeah. Changing the oil on a, on a 1200 GS with a boxer motor is a joke. Oh, is it? Okay. It's idiocy. It's the same as the Ural. There are two bolts because your transmission is behind as opposed to under. But there are two bolts, and that's it. Done. Drain, drain, drain. You're done. 
I kind of thought BMW was doing the same thing on their motorcycles that uh, the car manufacturers are kind of heading towards, mm-hmm. where you get Mercedes without dipsticks. They don't I want you working on those bikes or on those cars. I, wow. They want That's you crazy. going into the, to the shop. and Use your universal owner's tool. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which also happens to work on strippers. <laughs> Just saying. And there you have it, folks. But yeah, they don't want you doing that. They want you bringing it to the shop. So they, they sort of so they disguise things, make it hard on you. Yeah, you know they they make it hard to t- tear stuff down. They make it hard to you know they just remove stuff like dipsticks, Torx head screws, Torx head screws. Oh, I hate them forever. They make them less user serviceable. I mean, this book I'm reading now, mm-hmm. um, Shop Class as Soulcraft. Mm-hmm. By Matthew Crawford, who I want to get on the show. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about this, that we're moving more from a do-it-yourself uh, culture to mm-hmm. a pay-someone-to-do-it culture. Yeah. And that, that's the, you know, you well, go back to the joke we just made. Bunch of guys staying in their own car looking at an engine. Yeah, going, that's a good point. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's the thing. You are taking it to a dealer? <laughs> that's a good point. Up until I owned my first really shitty old bike, I knew absolutely fuck all about engines. The vast majority of what I learned about how an engine works, I learned from the uh, the Suzuki GS Series 750 <laughs> manual from Haynes, you but, know? Yeah, I mean, look at John. He's a great example. He knows how to work on stuff, yeah, but he, he doesn't, doesn't want to. Yeah, he doesn't want to. And Unless he, it's, you know, his race bike, but... You know. Yeah, and I think he does that mostly out of necessity. Yeah, but with the Beamer, you know, he's got a dealer to go, and they're a great dealer. And the hilarious part is, is that I think the Beamer's probably easier to work on than his race bike. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. I had I had thought that BMW was moving to, it was harder to work on. Everything on a Boxer engine is hanging out in freaking space. Okay. I mean, nothing is hidden. And it's not like weird... He doesn't have a frame to hide things behind. It's all attached to the engine. It's not weird torque heads and all that, you know. Well, there's probably torque heads, but you can't do anything on that bike without a Torx, you know, driver. Yeah. So I guarantee there's somebody's kit. Yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, the shop space here, mm-hmm. but we're definitely, you know, we're in a society where people are doing it less. Yeah. And the funny thing about it is, is the workshop is starting to become kind of a status symbol. It's becoming a, a man cave. Yeah. It's becoming, it's becoming the man cave and it's the, there's a funny thing about a shop. Somebody has a shop that they use and is filthy and disgusting and dirty. You're like, oh, it's a shop where it works on stuff. Yeah. Whereas they have a shop that is like clean and pretty and has a nice couch and has pretty decking on the floor. Flat TV. Flat TV and like nice painted walls as opposed to ones with chalk and fucking pencil drawings all over them. (laughs) You know, you're like crude pencil drawings of naked women with big breasts. No, those are on the back of the door so the wife didn't see them. (laughs) You moved them. (laughs) That's also, by the way, free tip that's where you put the nudie posters. (laughs) Wheel Nerds Pro Tip. You know what I do is I just hide mine under the other calendar. Mm-hmm. So when she's comes flipping out, I could just. <laughs> Whatever happened to those posters? You used to see those in like every like boat service area and motorcycle service area. They'd be like the the topless chick with the you know the outboard motor. You still see them? Yeah. Big dogs, uh, big dog chopper. Yeah. Their garage was full of them. I want ones with outboard motors. I don't know why I like the outboard motor ones. I just you, do. Chicks with outboard motors? Yeah. You always start to see them in like boat shops. Yeah, like you go back in the service area. I I want like classic fifty pinups. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Except right now my garage is all postered with Mustangs. That's weird. I just never got around to replacing them. My garage is all postered with crap and tools. Although well, okay. mine's a workshop, so my, mine's postered with Mustang pictures and printouts of woodworking stuff. Ah, okay. diagrams. Well, there's printouts and diagrams everywhere, and I have a notebook. There's a lot of SketchUp printouts. <laughs> but yeah, the workshop, my, mine's firmly in workshop zone. I've got all sorts of permanent fixtures. I've got a big workbench that goes around the outside. I've got nails everywhere to hang shit on. Mm-hmm. I've got all my tools have their specific spot they go. I've got the wrenches in a nice line back and forth along the wall. I am not as organized. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, frankly, you're close to garage phase. You have to use that space for other things. Mm-hmm. I have some skis and they go up against the wall over in the corner and that's basically it. Everything else there is for bikes and servicing of bikes. Yeah, mine's like split between bikes, cars, and woodworking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like all a jump, you know, there'll be a nail gun next to a bunch of wrenches. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use the nail gun on the Buell unless what? it really deserves it. You tell me that now. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, the thing I love about having the workshop, though, is this is where you can do the really major service by yourself that costs a fucking fortune, you know, <laughs> any place in town. And, God, the dealership I went into in town, I was like, I, I my bike's doing a funny thing and blah, 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 describe it. The guy's like, uh-huh, okay. I'm like, apparently me going in there and not having, like, a shitty ATV that I wanted the oil changed on yeah. just, like, totally put them out. 
<laughs> they were they were just furious. They're like, oh. you went to a dealer or a shop? I went to a dealer. Oh well, yeah, so the dealers are full of guys, you know, fresh out of uh, mechanic school. Mm-hmm. You know, like, school. Well, yeah, that, you know, haven't you seen the commercials on TV? I learned from a book. Well, yeah, that's that's reading. Oh, I see the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so like a thing like McDonald's where they have a big picture of the burger and the butt. <laughs> Oil change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there, there's uh, advantages to dealers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our listeners wrote in asking where that dealer I talk about all the time is, South mm-hmm. Bay Motorsports. There's a girl in there with like personalities. Big personalities. Big personalities. Uh. She's worth the trip alone. Actually, she's one of the things to me that really starts to mark when you go from like workshop to pro shop zone, which is kind of like the last phase anything gets to. You start to get ornamental features. <laughs> <laughs> Not really think about this because realistically, okay. the things you can get in the shop behind a dealership, the mm-hmm. things you can do as compared to the things I can do in my garage. What can they do I can't? Hire hot chicks wearing low-cut shirts. Hire hot chicks wearing low-cut shirts. Work on a lot of different bikes at once. Mm-hmm. And work on bikes that aren't theirs. <laughs> work on bikes that aren't theirs. Exactly. That, that's like it. Hey, I, don't know, mean, okay. I work on yours, but stop. Do you want to do a pro shop? <sighs> I don't think I do. I think it's it, it'd be cool to have all the neat things they have in a pro shop, but most of those tools are. I mean, they cost ten times what a bike does, mm-hmm. and you have to service fifty bikes with them before they're paying for themselves. Right. And I frankly don't want to have to dick with other people's bikes. Like the workshop for me is still my space. It's not something I'm doing for someone else. It's not something I have to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I can be like, I don't want to dick with the Earl today. I'm not going to do so. Yeah, it's not your bread and butter. You don't want to have to depend on. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I don't have to depend on it. I want to be able to, you know, I want to be able to throw a wrench at the wall and swear and <laughs> shut the damn door and go inside and play Xbox and think about it for a while. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I mean, that that comes up a lot with the woodworking. Is you mm-hmm. know, guys are always like, "Wow, this could be my dream job. I could be a cabinet maker or something." Yeah, yeah. it's a tempting idea because then you can then you can have all the fun toys, right? Yeah, but then I'm like, well, I'm not sure. I want. I mean, this is cool to do as my hobby. I don't want this to be my job. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing a pro shop, it's your job. Yeah, that becomes your job. And it's not just working on the bikes. It's the numbers. It's, mm-hmm. your, your, it's working on the bikes and figuring out how much money you need and how much you need to pay people and how many new machines you need and can I do this thing and do I need the parts and how much do I charge for that? It sucks. Yeah, how many hot chicks can I hire to manage yeah, the front I need, desk? Yeah, I need another chick with, with big personality for the front desk. Yeah. <laughs> Will my wife get mad at me? <laughs> oh, wait, now I can't afford payroll. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do it. I don't think I would either. I mean, it's the next logical step in the continuum from a workshop. But the, when you're at the point where you can just look at a bike and figure out how it works by looking at it, which is, I, I've noticed somewhere along the line, I don't know when I got there. Mm-hmm. You're thinking like, wow, I can do a better job than all the people in the shops. Mm-hmm. On the other hand. Working on, yeah. But, I want it. Yeah, I mean, that's their job. That's all they do. It's all they do. Yeah. All the time. I mean, how soon before you're, like, sick of it and not doing that how many gigster 600s do you want to change the oil in how, m- how many billies and tommies do you want to deal with oh god i hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> oh it's not just the bikes to the customers yeah yo dude my gigster's not got all the power anymore man dude, whoa i got oh i need one of, i need some boso i can't pay for this right now dude oh man <laughs> oh how much <laughs> oh man can I, like, sweep around your shop, dude? Oh. Hey, I'm sorry. I got your counter girl pregnant, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Angry letters from female listeners now. now. <laughs> it's a funny one. Because by the time you hit the workshop phase, you are better at doing anything on your bike and probably most bikes you get a hold of than most of the people who are working in these shops. Unless you're me, because I've got a short attention span. Well, Okay. But then you have an idiot friend like me who has a proper workshop who you get to explain <laughs> shit to you. What's this thing? Okay, this is the little gondola that holds your wheel and goes up and down the Viffer's swing arm. There's been times you walked out of my garage mumbling to yourself. <laughs> there were times. <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> but so, so there's the classification system. Yeah, so, you know, you, you, your shade tree, your garage, your workshop, and then your pro shop. Yeah, and... Pro shop doesn't sound like much fun. No. But as you evolve through the shade tree, the garage, and the workshop, the key thing is to get what you need for a workshop, I think. And that's really, you know, you always want more tools. Like like just a few more tools would always be cool. There's always the one you're looking at like, oh, man, that would be really neat. I like that, I think. I want a new table saw. I want an air compressor. 
I've got like two. I want a, no, I want a fucking big air compressor. Yeah, I got like a 25-gallon monster one. tank thing. It's like as big as a person. And yeah, I got that in my garage. Yeah, yeah. bastard. <laughs> Pearls before swine. <laughs> I use it for woodworking. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I also used to use it to drive my, my little paintbrush for painting model robots. <laughs> I'm just imagining this robot the size of a beer can uh-huh. and the giant compressor behind Chuck. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was drinking beer while I was doing it. <laughs> and I was just laughing to myself the whole time. I bet Todd wish he had one of these. Meanwhile, I'm in a garage with house power. I can run basic tools. Yeah, I mean, I only, I still only have 110 volt. I, mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't have 220 anyway. Well, by the time you get to the 220, you need, you better really mean it. Yeah, I mean, even with the, the well, you've seen how, what I've got for tools mm-hmm. as far as yeah. woodworking. Yeah. Even with that, I, I just can't justify a 220. No, no, and that, that's one of those things I think you got to look out for with the shop. People will get all hung up about what kind of shop you need. Mm-hmm. Okay, back up. Remember the shade tree thing? We're gonna post a picture up of me changing out the fuel system on a Strom. Actually, technically, I was dismantling the high-pressure fuel filter um, on the pump, but that's beside the point. Doing it uh, under a tree. Naked. Not naked. <laughs> but I was doing it under a tree because I was going to put Totally naked, ladies. He'll have autographed copies. I hate you. Write to us here at wheelnerds at gmail.com. It's a good thing my wife doesn't listen to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you'd be really sad when she didn't write to us. <laughs> She's got plenty of naked pictures of me. I, I'm just going to leave that alone. <laughs> That's called upping the ante, folks. Well, you're my friend, and you're in here, and you're between me and the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think that's by accident? <laughs> well, no, because you fart all the time. <laughs> I've come to terms. All right. So, anything less thoughts on the shop? I mean, you know, John talked about all this cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and John's kind of talking... He's talking about like, like weird a, a man cave. Yeah, it, it's starting to sound like a man cave, one of those weird Which variations. is cool because, you know, mm-hmm. it, let's face it, a man cave is – this is my man cave, this right here. See this with the blankets on the walls mm-hmm. and all the yep. model ships and the toy robots? Mm-hmm. This is my man cave. Awesome. <laughs> and, you know, you the person who spends the most time in it. <laughs> it's not creepy at all. <laughs> Are we supposed to make out now? No. We were just drinking more. Awkward groping later. <laughs> we need to be in a dorm room for that. <laughs> but yeah, he's talking about a lot of stuff that sounds more like a man cave. He's talking about like nice looking decking flooring and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you I mean, know, how, the stuff I that mean, if you got it filthy. When would you think of, of flooring? Oh, the only reason I can think of flooring was I'd think of it because I have a shitty asphalt floor. But frankly, for me, I'd rather have cement that I can hose off. I mean, I roll out a fucking strip of carpet. Yeah, that's not a bad option. I actually have a carpet over my asphalt in my garage. The Strom okay. is parked on it right now. I've got like two strips, one you mm-hmm. know, between, one by the Buell and mm-hmm. one by the, the Thrux. Yeah, I've got mine just by my bench so I have something softer to stand on. I mean, it's kind of ghetto. I, I'd like to get some of that matting you can buy at like Harbor Freight mm-hmm. for the, the That stuff's on. really shitty, actually. No shit. I was and it's at Harbor Freight. <laughs> can you believe that? <laughs> Fucking A. By the way, we should mention tool choice. <laughs> So Harbor Freight is great for any tool you're going to use once. Harbor Freight has some diamonds in the rough. Okay. But you got to be willing to sort through some shit for it. <laughs> from a woodworker's perspective, the, the dust collector from Harbor Freight mm-hmm. is fucking golden. Yeah. I like the zip ties. The zip ties? <laughs> because they can't fuck those up. Yeah. I actually have to say their motorcycle lifts are surprisingly good. I think they're made in the same Chinese factory as the ones at Pet Boys and the ones at Sears and the ones everywhere else. Well, the chalk I used for the Buell, I got that from uh, Harbor Freight. Mm-hmm. Work. It's been great. Okay. So I think it's just important to assess what it is and how complicated it is. Uh, but yeah, your general thumb, is, you're right, is plan to use it once and throw it away. Anything that can shock or eat or or slash you is probably not a good thing to buy there. My dad's rule of thumb was not to buy anything you had to plug in. That's good. I like that. <laughs> but then there's a flip side of the spectrum too. You know, don't buy Harbor Freight; it's crap. But the flip side of the spectrum is like you got to have a, what are what are the cool two brands? Snap on and like what? There's another one that's like the the Craftsman the cool stuff? guy. No, no, no. The Craftsman's like middle of the road. Craftsman yeah. is every dude can. Oh, buy Oh, Snap on and um, the really expensive. You got to have it or you're bad. Yeah, it's well, like Snap on's like the, yeah, yeah. Well, the and it's like the same board. attitude as the adventure bikes. If you don't have Snap on tools, you suck at tools. And stuff. Well, I do suck at tools and stuff, so I'm okay with that. But you don't. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've got the same craftsman shit I've had all along. And I buy new stuff periodically, but frankly, the reality situation, if you get a decent set of wrenches, that's what you keep coming back to. Yeah. You, I, I, 
I mean, it's a fucking wrench. It's not exactly. rocket science. <laughs> it's, it's a goddamn wrench. <laughs> and you know, the big secret they don't the, want you to know. The tolerances on a wrench aren't that fine. No. <laughs> you will notice the difference in tolerances between different qualities, but the Craftsman ones are pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, it'll get the fucking job done. Uh-huh. It's when you not, throw it at a wall, it doesn't break. It's not like you're fucking working for an indie race team. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we aren't curing cancer here. We're fixing a fucking bike. Don't fool yourself. No. And you're, it's not even like you're fixing Jeff May's bike. No, you're fixing your shit can. Hey, let's talk about Buell real quick. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I've, I've been wondering ever since the 1190 got introduced. Mm-hmm. It's a 40 some thousand, $45,000 bike. Yeah, it's Ooh. crazy. <laughs> it's an expensive bike. I could buy it's, a Volvo for that. It's out of our A beige one. That's it's my dream car. That's great. Proceed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've broken Chuck. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to say you've probably never heard of that bubble. <laughs> no. Okay. So, anyways, it's a forty some thousand dollar bike, and you've probably never heard it. Yeah, it's certainly out of our league. Mm-hmm. But what's its competition? What who is who is he putting that bike up against? It's got to be some like really expensive Ducati, right? I mean, not even Duc- I can't think of a Ducati that expensive. That's true. I can't even think the really of- schmancy pants ones are like upper twenties. Yeah, I, mean, I can't know? think of a BMW that expensive. Five grand, Chris. That's like a down payment on a house. Yeah, you know. But mm-hmm. the, you know, we found today what its competition in. Yeah, and it it got weird. <laughs> it's uh, I found this on motorcycle.com. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, Confederate. These X- are the guys who make that weird fancy pants bike that Tom Cruise rode around. They make a lot of weird ago. fancy pants bikes. Yeah. A lot of them are one-offs, and I guess they're trying to get into having like a, a line now. Mm-hmm. So this is the Confederate X one thirty two Hellcat. Hellcat. And uh, it's, it's a forty five thousand some dollar bike. Wow, wow! And so we'll put this vid up on the site. And the first thing I got to ask Chuck. Do you think this guy knows that someone stole the ass of his bike? No, he's too busy watching the inner workings of the motor through that window. That is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> that really is for the old mostly for fault finding. <laughs> Oop, that's broken. Yeah, you know, if you had to fault find with this bike at 40 some thousand dollars, I would be pretty You angry. know, at 40 some thousand dollars, if I have to fault find, someone is getting hurt. <laughs> you know, someone kidding. is going to get a wrench to the back of the head in the darkness. There had better be a girl with a giant personality. Oh, involved. sorry, there was a there was a problem with the gear tower and <laughs> <laughs> and he's beating him with a ten dollar wrench. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest insult ever. Fucking angry. <laughs> but uh, I mean, look at this thing. This is a uh, this is like a movie bike. This is something yeah, out of a Will it, Smith it, movie. It, it totally. It looks like it. You know, it's quasi futuristic. You're right. <laughs> this is like this is going to show up in a movie as like the future bike anytime now. It, yeah, it's already being used for that. I'm sure. Yeah, someone's someone right now it. is shooting a movie with it. We're what, the upcoming Avengers movie. It's going to have this bike in the future. Bikes will look like this and they will have no ass like an Asian porn movie hey that's hurtful <laughs> hey, but you know in this future, quasi futuristic space movie mm-hmm. Will Smith still acts like Will Smith does he have any other way to act well I'm just like he's still wearing 80's clothes and stuff what's mm-hmm. up with that apparently he's a serious actor now there's one movie he's in that's really boring I've heard mm-hmm. and he didn't like make any fresh pence jokes and he didn't ride a quasi futuristic motorcycle and he never said oh no you didn't or something like that you didn't shoot that green shit at me yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> now let's hack that alien mothership with my Mac. Get off my car! <laughs> but those are the movies of his we remember. Mm-hmm. So obviously, the ones where he's acting like Will Smith? Yeah. Kay. The joke's on us. Yeah. Fucker. <laughs> he's like, ha, 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 keep making fun of me and sending money. <laughs> Meanwhile, who'll ride this Hellcat? So, you know, this bike takes the fender delete option to new levels. You know, I'm thinking the first puddle you hit you're going to have an awesome, like, big muddy stripe up your back. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm here on a $40,000 bike, ladies. And they're all like... <laughs> <laughs> you have mud on your back. That's not mud. <laughs> That's how fast this bike goes. Good God. I mean, in that regard, I could see the 1190 being... It's mundane. Compared to this bike. Yeah, that's true. You pull up on this thing and you're like, oh, you have one of those sport bikes. This is a, a Confederate bike. You've uh, you probably never heard of it. <laughs> well done, sir. Thank you. <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, the 1190 is like, it's a serious race bike. People talk about the race bike that's basically been put at turn signals put on it. This. That's actually what is happening here. <laughs> yeah, that's this bike. <laughs> they, they, they don't even put them on very good. <laughs> They're like, ah, here you go. Here's your fucking turn signals. They're, they're held in place. Piss off. Velcro. <laughs> That's a great idea. You know that? What? We just Velcro some turn Velcro s- turn signals on. I'm telling Dale that one. Oh, for the trainers. <laughs> for the trainer bikes. Velcro turn signals and mirrors. This is an idea whose time has come. Don't they just take those off? We take the mirrors off, but not the turn signals. Because like the Ninja 250s, you, you kind of have to. Those things just stick out. With the Ninja 250s, you have to fold the mirrors in the middle because you can't take them off easily. And but then, the turn uh, signals just stick out the of the turn thing. signals. You just you just you look at the turn signals. You're like, that's going away. He was a good soldier. <laughs> we'll tell your family you were good. Turn signal. Farewell. <laughs> My first year of a Ninja 250, I had like a shelf that I just kept turn signals on. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a clutch lever on a TU 250. <laughs> first thing it touches the ground every time without fail. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've given more end of clutch levers away to students as souvenirs than I can count. <laughs> this is your souvenir. I want you to put it on a chain so you remember to be gentle. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> we squeeze the front brake. <laughs> That's what he says to girls he picks up at highway rest stops. <laughs> squeeze. Good thing your wife's not listening. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. So we got uh, some listener mail. Okay. What we got here? Uh, we got a letter from Colin. Mm-hmm. He writes, Damn you, wheel nerds! Shake fist in air. I like how he narrates himself. Said Todd, <laughs> wearing his hipster hat. <laughs> You made me spend $45. Said Chuck. <laughs> I was listening to the Butler Maps interview, and I was compelled to buy three maps. He continued, sticking Since, his finger in his nose. <laughs> Shh. Fucking A, man. Since I'm planning on a ride from my home in Calgary, Alberta. That's in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Said Chuck. Where the Canadians are? Yes. Said Todd. Oh, right. Uh, to Pikes Peak in Colorado. That's in the Colorado, right? Yeah. Where the Coloradans are? Yes. All right. I don't want to just pick on Canadians. It's so easy. I obviously needed the maps for Montana, Wyoming, and Colorado. Naturally. At least I'll be able to plan for the interesting roads and stay off the interstates. Mm-hmm. Good work on the podcast. You cover some interesting topics and have some great guests with lots of information. Keep it up. Thanks. The price of those maps alone is worth staying off the interstates. The price of those maps alone is worth staying off their site, if you're me who likes maps a lot. <laughs> I haven't looked. I'm not looking. Ba la 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 la. There is no such thing as the Butler Maps site. You've been looking at it. No. <laughs> there is no such thing as the Butler Maps site. It does yeah. not exist. ButlerMaps.com. No. We're a court mm, butler. No. Justin Bradshaw. No. They have maps. Doesn't exist. Yeah, it does. Never heard of it. You're a wayboy. Stop it. <laughs> look at this quality stuff. It's not paper. It's plastic. And look at this quality it's, plastic. It's not at all Chuck swinging paper attempting to simulate the sound <laughs> of the butler map. I keep those upstairs. Special effects budget is out. <laughs> we used it all on the wine box crushing. <laughs> and it you wasn't know, a very good crushing. It left a mark on your forehead. I know. <laughs> My hand hurts, too, but I punched it. He's holding the tears in. I'm, I have delicate nerd everything. <laughs> You weren't popular in college, were you? No. <laughs> that awkward groping in dorm rooms, you just heard about that, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> so we also got some listener mail. So you got this from, blank uh, space. That from says, Jay! Uh, no. Call Jay! Wrong, wrong Jay. My bad. You know, you, you've probably never heard of this Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I've probably never heard of this quad bike. Uh, I'm not convinced this thing's a fucking bike. Well, yeah, first off, I'd just like to point out, bike is a shortened form of bicycle. Um, I've been using bicycle for a long time now, since before it was cool. Um, but it's a... Uh, bi literally means two, indicating two cool. wheels. A quad bike labeled most expensive in the world has gone on sale. That's not a bike. No, it's like a car without a roof. It's a scorpion. Does it have two wheels in the I back? I think there's two in the one? back, but they're sort of narrow. Oh, well, yeah, it's I, a quad. Yeah, okay. It's, it's all very, very strange. A quad bike. That's not a bike. The bike was manufactured with a Ferrari engine and six-speed sequential gearbox from BMW. Hey, Todd. What? I have a dually Subaru Forester. Yeah? Yeah. Sweet. I can go on adventure <laughs> motorcycling trips with that. <laughs> I carry all my shit. <laughs> I'm thinking more. You know what's even funnier about this one? Can you imagine the conversation? When somebody was like, I want to make this. So it's a, I'm just imagining these people having this conversation. Okay, dude, I got this great idea. We're going to make a bike, but it's going to have four wheels. That's called a car. No, no, wait. It's a bike, but it has it has a Ferrari engine. 
Like and, a car? And and in in a BMW six speed transmission. Like my car? No, it's a bike. <laughs> it's a quad bike. It's like a bike but more so. You've probably never heard of it. <laughs> So this is a hipster thing. <laughs> I, you know, but a hipster wouldn't ride this. Look at that; it's all futury. Yes, it's the future. Maybe the future is coming next. Maybe that's the next trend. That's after the next vintage. hipster phrase. We're going from vintage, and then it'll be like it'll be like future bikes, and like uh, George Jetsons, like that. Yeah, like Jetson retro, style, retro, like retro futurist. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. that's where it's coming. Is yeah. that what this is going to? Why? I, I don't, I don't know this. what that's going 200, to. Two hundred thousand euros for this. What's what, what's that in real money? <laughs> like 400 grand. <laughs> it's up on sale for James List. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 Described you know, as a unique masterpiece. There's just one downside for any drivers who might be thinking about buying it. They would need their own personal racetrack to drive it on. Because it's not street legal anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Uh, what is it? Suspension system is very specific, featuring four horizontal sh- shock absorbers made to measure by EMC. For fuck's sake, I used to work for EMC. How hard would it be to have just moved one piece a little bit and put in a stock shock from something? Uh, uh, wh- how hard would it be just to build a fucking car? It has a top speed of 150 miles an hour. That's I'm not it? in that That's fucking, fucking it. It's a V8. It's a Ferrari it's a V8. V8. A and it only goes break. 150 miles an hour. 250 horsepower goes 150 miles an hour. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying this piece of shit. What a crap can. This is horrible. It's a bucket. <laughs> I, I I don't get it. It, it. And it's ugly, too. Uh, yeah, it's not pretty. Its greatest crime is against fashion. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't understand anything. Nope. on uh, Why? Nope. I mean, it's. Nope. It's. it's it is n- a thing. Maybe it's not the typo. It can't be just a hundred and fifty. Well, I'm thinking, who 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 designed this thing, expecting to sell it? Well, this uh, French firm, Lazareth. Yeah, but can you imagine the sales pitch? So we talked about the sales pitch internally. What's the sales pitch to your customer? Hey, check this thing out. It's the most expensive thing ever. No one else has one ever. True. <laughs> True. A good argument. I liked this before it was cool. It's, it's never going to be cool. Yeah, it's not cool. <laughs> it's the, this is the ultimate hipster device. There is no coolness to it. It will never be cool. You'll need your own road to drive it. I, you know, coming from a car background and a motorcycle background, I, I just... Don't, you know, I, I, I even coming see. from even coming from motorcycles that don't lean background, I fail to see the appeal. I, I see nothing for this. There's nothing, nothing to it. It's not I mean, particularly fast. It's a giant, expensive... Penis extension. Not even that, because there's nothing... Uh, I mean, other than the dollar price tag, there's nothing... I mean, you could with a Ferrari... That might be... It's a good point, yeah. Would this be as good a penis extension as a Ferrari? No. No. Because no one's going to look None at it and be like, oh, that's... Wow, that guy's cool. No, they'd be like, what the... F- <laughs> he's <laughs> got a... Whatever that is. Hey, there's a dude on a... Hmm. No, I mean the Confederate Hellcat is much more impressive than this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, for fuck's sake! I mean, it's just ugly. It looks like someone took a quad ATV uh-huh. and tried to like Ferrari it up. Okay, yeah, I can see it. And you're just not going to make a quad cool. No, not like no. That. There's no making it cool. No matter how cool you make a quad, in the back of anyone's head who's looking at a quad seriously, they're still like, <laughs> are those headlights? Yeah, those are headlights. Oh, for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. Wing headlights. I think we're done here. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Let me know if you buy one. If anybody wants to buy the quad bike, you can, you know. Go fuck yourself. Call Jay. <laughs> call Jay. Oh, man. Well, he found it before anyone knew it was. Before it was cool. Before it was. I didn't want to even say that. <laughs> it's still before it was cool. Yeah. And it's out now. It's always going to be before it was cool. There you go. There's just no help for that. <laughs> So what have you learned this week, Chuck? I've learned you're, you're not very good at crushing stuff against your head. What no. have you learned, Todd? I learned not to crush things against my head because <laughs> they may be sharp. <laughs> well, that's all we got time for. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.